And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Are you ready for a show about hope? A show that will focus on light at the end of the insane, dark, twisted tunnel that the world appears to be barreling towards? If so, you're in for a real treat because we have two amazing experts who don't talk about the world coming to an end. They talk about the world getting ready to begin. And I think we need that. I think all of us need that, especially those who are on alternative media. So one of the main things I got out from this interview we're about to air is thinking wider, seeing a bigger picture. I'll give you two examples of this. On our show, we've interviewed several people that have had near-death experiences, and they say that upon clinical death, they're out of the body, and they see reality in a totally different way. The human body, the human experience, was only a tiny fraction of what the true nature of reality is. But they didn't know it at the time because all of their time and energy is focused in the body and doing things as a human. Another example is we look at Earth and we look at where we are on Earth. And most people, that that's all that exists. But if you step out and go water, you see that Earth is one of a trillion, if not untold trillion number of, of planets in the known universe. So stepping out and going water, you see things from a bigger perspective. And what I'm circling back to with our featured guest is that, a featured two guest, is that by going water, by seeing things from a deeper perspective and stepping back from where you focus all of your attention on, you might be surprised at how wonderful things are and how wonderful things can be. Just when the world appears to be on the cusp of what can only be known as an era of techno-tyranny, a dark ages, we may very well be on the cusp of the greatest period of freedom in human history. And it's hard to see it. I understand. It can be hard, especially when we're bombarded all day with these messages from the media and even people that we know and love that are awake, that even are afraid. I say, you know what? It's worth. It's worth going for hope. It's worth looking at hope because that's all we have. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to welcome back to our show Mr. Larkin Rose and a special guest. We'll reveal in one second. Larkin is the incredible author of the book called The Most Dangerous Superstition, which I've been reading to my son at night. And I highly recommend you do that to your kids as well. He is also the uh, co-creator of a wonderful program called Candles in the Dark. 
And joining him as well is Amanda Rose. You can see Amanda putting a lot of her passion out. She's also in Candles in the Dark. And together they form this awesome team of individuals who stand for freedom, who definitely undercut a lot of these state-sponsored propaganda pieces. They want you to they want you to believe that you don't have the power. And I feel that they shatter a lot of that. And they really do push for absolute total freedom. Larkin and Amanda, welcome back to our show. Thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. One of the reasons why I love watching your videos is because I'm one of those people who I get wrapped up in this propaganda sometimes where I think the state has every card in their hands. And one of the videos I've been watching recently was by Spiro Skoras, who's talking about this thing called Agenda 21, where a lot of these governments apparently are going to do something called the Great Reset, where they're going to purposely try to bring down the economies to put everyone on a digital-based currency, and they're going to try to trap and control humanity. And it sounds pretty sick and twisted. It seems like they put a lot of thought into it. It seems that they've got a lot of corporations that are backing it. Yet sometimes when I watch your videos, it seems that you have an entirely different perspective. What is your thought about that? What is your thought about the idea that these governments may have these evil intentions of trying to control us all? Do you ultimately believe that they will succeed? Uh, No, I don't. And just to be clear, uh, I don't at all my opinion is not at all based on me thinking that, oh, they're not that mean or they're not that malicious or they're not that evil. (laughs) It's basically they're not that competent and not that powerful. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is the, the people in charge, they aren't enforcing anything themselves. They have us to do it for them. You know, some of us will squeal on each other and others of us will put on a badge and actually be their enforcer. So all of their power is imaginary and it only it only becomes real if people believe in it and obey and go along with it. You know, the, the actual psychos at the top by themselves have zero power. If they don't dupe people into being obedient and being their their enforcers and their spies and, and funding them and, and all that, then they have no power. So to me, the question is not, are they evil enough to do this? Yes, they're absolutely evil enough to do pretty much anything you could possibly imagine, no matter how heinous. But when I look at the question of when will people disobey and resist, and not everybody, just a tiny fraction of the population disobeying and resisting can make literally any empire fall over. So I don't doubt that they have some of these plans. And I don't I don't even doubt that they they will try some, but I absolutely am convinced that we will never see the the Hollywood version of a police state like nationwide across the US. They could sometimes do it in a tiny little area if they like pile all their resources into one neighborhood and look all big and bad and fascist. But they have they have never had anywhere near the resources to do that on any large scale or for any prolonged amount of time. And I think that a lot of pro-freedom people start to fall for the government propaganda that tries to make them look all-knowing and all-powerful. And it's easy because it's easy to be scared. They're evil psychos and they have lots and lots of money and they have lots and lots of enforcers. 
but it isn't unlimited. They can't just do anything they want mm -hmm. because you're still dealing with human beings and most human beings are trying to do the right thing. Now, unfortunately, most people think that obeying the ruling class is how you do the right thing, but more and more people are figuring out that, ah, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> Often disobeying them is the right thing to do. Um, but the, uh, I think the, the reality of what they can and can't do depends entirely upon whether people are capable of disobeying and resisting. And even now in this ridiculous spectacle we're seeing with the, the, the COVID just insanity that has nothing to do with COVID and everything to do with authoritarianism, you're already seeing a whole bunch of people saying, yep, we're not going to do this. Even their own enforcers, their own, in their own courts in places are turning on them. Politicians are turning against each other. Their own enforcers are saying, we're not enforcing this. This is stupid. And then bu a bunch of normal people like the where it was in South Dakota. They just had like half a million people go, yeah, we're not wearing masks in South Dakota. They didn't go all fascist. <laughs> And so you have to keep in mind that if you're listening to the mainstream media to try to determine the power of the state, that is the state telling you how much power they have. And of course, they're going to spin it as if they control and know everything. The last thing they're going to do is get on their you know, propaganda machine and tell all, all of us how weak and scared they are and how powerful we are. So if you if you watch their propaganda, you'll get the impression that they're all knowing and all powerful. And they are not. They are scared out of their minds right now. Really? Because. Yes. I never absolutely. I never get that impression that they seem like they're scared. And when it comes to what you just said about, OK, well, they don't have the resources to have that Orwellian like utopian dystopian thing where there are things in all the, all the cities. But what I do notice is I feel like the government, as stupid as they are, they figured out a way to self-automate their tyranny because they've got the Karens. They've got that army of Karens that will go out and they'll get people and they'll affect other Americans or other people across the world to act tyrannical and to act automated, uh, like, uh, sorry, autonomation with the tyranny. So if you have people that are policing themselves or doing what the government wants without the government being there, isn't that an extension of the government's reach or reach of the government's propaganda? Well, yeah, that's that's definitely a game they play, and it works to some extent. They have lots of whiny snitches out there, but they're not going to enforce it. Karen isn't going to whip out a shotgun and make somebody put on a mask. She's just going to whine to the enforcers. And there have already been cases where a Karen whines to an enforcer and the enforcer say, yeah, we're not doing that. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. And then the Karen can go cry in a corner. Like that is definitely a tactic they use and it's it's effective to some degree, but but ultimately the whiny snitches, they aren't they're spies, but nothing else. And it sort of goes along with the thing of people say, well, they're spying on everything and they've been monitoring everybody's communications and 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 I say, OK, and and so what? Like, yes, that's evil. They shouldn't be doing that. And people should be sort of cautious about their communications. But if you're in the position of the tyrant and you have all your spies and all your software and all your AI spying on everybody and they come back to you and say, OK, so about 50 million of the people out there think you suck and would think the world would be better off with you dead. 
what do you do about it other than sit there and go, oh, um, I might sort of be in trouble. You're not going to go round up 50 million people. It doesn't work that way. That all wants you dead, by the way. Like, right. There's millions of people now, like as in it's in the millions and it's verifiable with the numbers on the Internet. It's right there. There are millions of people that are aware that a huge percentage of the governments are made out of pedophiles. That is not good for them. And the reason we're not going to see any media and these faces on screens anymore about some of these pedophiles will just sort of not be mentioned for a long time is because probably they ran for the hills and they're hiding out somewhere to make sure they don't get like offed by the random guy that has nothing left to lose and whose life has been ruined and everybody knows killed by a government. They're probably going to hide and run for the hills and there'll be some mysterious weird explanation for why they're not around anymore, of course, but you don't get to know where they went because they're a scared ass pedophile that knows that they can't literally show their face in the real world or some torture pitchfork's going to come for them. And so, they're not, they're not going to say that they're yeah, scared. They're not gonna say That's they're the scared. thing. When you know that you're looking at their propaganda, like we all know that the news isn't like objectively reporting what's going on. Right. So we have to keep in mind, this is the propaganda they chose to feed us. But there are still indications in there that you can you can interpret out of that very significant things that they will never admit. And one of the funniest ones to me, which was so encouraging and it, it got a little bit of, of play in the mainstream media, but the significance of it was massive, was that that uh, woman salon owner in Texas who was just like, ah, I'm going to open up. And, You're not allowed to. Rah, rah, rah. Right, well, yeah. I'm going to anyway. And so they, you know, they prosecuted her and she went in front of the judge and the judge was like, you have to apologize for being selfish and greedy and blah, blah. And she said, no, I'm, I'm helping people like feed their families. I'm not going to do that. The the dead giveaway just how weak the ruling class is right now that the backlash that had to happen behind the scenes was so drastic and so severe that two days later, the governor of Texas himself was saying nobody can ever be arrested for disobeying my own orders. <laughs> and his lieutenant governor was saying, I'm going to pay the fines for this lady. And they were apologetic all over the place. Now, I guarantee it isn't because they suddenly became nice. Or good people. Like, nope. these were the same people issuing the orders. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee they had their pollsters out there and they said, well, yeah, she's really popular and people really love her. And by the way, they're probably going to shoot you if you actually put this woman in prison. And so they're like, wait, really? What? And I guarantee they have, you know, they have their eyes and ears out there seeing what the, the mood is. And they probably very quickly got, you know, got the message back that they, this may turn very nasty very quickly. And you better undo this, which is why in two days flat, the governor himself was like, nobody can be arrested for disobeying that. And they were like in immediate backpedal mode and saying she should definitely be let go. Like this is the guy at the top of the hierarchy that put her in the cage saying, oh, that was so unjust. Like, you're the one who did <laughs> yeah. it, dumbass. I want but to believe that. I want to believe that these guys are scared. I had an interview recently with Doug Casey, and Doug is, uh, you guys remember with him at all, international man. He's been, he does, yeah. it's okay. He said to me that, he, he said, don't expect that there's going to be an um, uprising. Don't expect that's going to happen. If it happens in any capacity, it'll squash it like a bug. He says, there are people who are very uh, who are libertarian or who are pro freedom said they're they're very small and passionate that's that's his words he says that we're probably going to have more fascism and more tyranny because you don't have a, that many people you have some people that are very passionate that are against the state but not enough 
that are willing to carry out whatever needs to be done. And he, he just says that we don't have the capabilities. And the military would come back and squash us. So I want to ask you if you can respond to his argument. Um, do you think he's correct? Do you think he's not correct? What would be a reason why his theory could possibly uh, be achieved? I mean, do you think that if push comes to shove, if you had a lot of people that from the onset decided that we were going to stand strong, but at the core weren't, and it fell apart, it would actually embolden uh, the fascists and the authoritarians to implement more tyranny and to become more brutal? Um, I'm just going to step out and say that the a lot of the people I know that speak from the perspective that Doug Casey is, when I actually talk about them and their day-to-day lives with them and I ask them what their perspective is, they haven't been putting their actual thumb on the data pulse of the actual globe. They have a small or more limited perspective where they've been so busy, they aren't really paying attention to the numbers. Um, And then the other thing is just that I've noticed the longer people have been aware and awake to governments and history, the more they fall into what I call the victim trap of sort of thinking, well, there's this group of really abusive people, but they have a lot of people on board with what they do. And the brain does the fallacious reasoning of, well, this is kind of all I've known. And I'm aware that this has been around for a while. And it just assumes that's what's always going to be. And to reduce that to its logical absurdity is to basically say that somehow government is made up of something other than just squishy mortals, that they're basically gods who can always outrun their victims. And it's essentially like our, it is literally the the abused wife arguing for why she shouldn't bother trying to fight back to leave her abuser. It's also arguing for why it's like saying he's always going to find me. He's always going to get me. I shouldn't bother trying to leave. He's too smart. He's too cunning. I should just take the abuse. Or it's sort of like the implication in the tone is literally arguing for why the abuser is always going to win. Why would anybody who's actually freedom minded argue for the future that their abuser wins when every moment in the moment in the present is completely undetermined and we actually don't at all know the future whatsoever. I agree. And if I can just barge in for a second, the, uh, I think there's, there's a huge misunderstanding of what resistance in real life looks like. Um, so if somebody's saying there isn't going to be like a revolution where a bunch of people like storm Washington, DC, that's probably totally true. And if they did, they'd, get bombed and stuff. That's not how empires end. Like, look at the end of the Soviet Union. They were cranking out their propaganda pretty much till the end. And even over in the US, we all heard that the Soviet Union is all powerful and can do everything, which is why we need a huge military. And then one day, poof, they're gone. Never mind. Like, wait, wait, what? How did there wasn't a revolution? There wasn't an invasion. There wasn't a civil war. Suddenly, it's just not there anymore. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. this kind of needs a little more explanation. We're going to see something more like that in the U.S. I don't think it's going to look like an uprising revolution sort of thing, but it will look like you annoyed the people enough that they are disobeying you. They're trading without telling you, without giving you a cut. And when you send in your thugs to go after them, some of them shoot back, which means your thugs start to say, I don't want this job anymore. Like it was fun being a bully and bossing people around. But now that they're shooting at me, I'm going to go get a different job. And. So the the end of the empire is not going to look like a big, glorious revolution. Like, I would agree with that. But as far as the numbers, the number of people who I would call, like, consistent philosophical voluntarists or libertarians or anarchists or whatever, 
Um, it may be in the hundreds of thousands. That is not the determining factor of whether this empire falls. This empire will mostly fall due to a bunch of statists who are just fed up with it. And right now you're already seeing like mass protests, in fact, all over the world, yep. you know, millions of people out in the streets going, ah, you can't shut us down anymore and we're not going to wear your stupid mask and, you know, and F you and I see the different Germany. things they're protesting. Yes. And the vast majority of them are still statists. Like they're still, they're still a long way from even understanding what freedom is. But when you're looking at one empire and the power it has, what matters is whether the subjects of that empire have the mentality of we will all we all have this moral obligation to obey. There is not that mentality nope. in in this country anymore nope. to a huge degree. Yeah. And again, one of the one of the major stories that happened in the media that I, I think was underreported is uh, was it Newsweek or somebody did a poll after the Minneapolis police station burned and the, the cops abandoned their own police station. And they did a poll and said, uh, OK, do you kind of sympathize with the people who set the police station on, on fire, fire. <laughs> like took over? Or do you all the way sympathize or do you not at all sympathize? And between sort of sympathized or all the way sympathized, that was more than half. If you're the tyrant looking out at your people and more than half of them are like, yeah, I kind of understand why you burned the police station down. You're in deep trouble. Like 50 years ago, there is no way. You would have gotten anywhere near that amount of support for somebody who like broke into a police station and chased the cops away and burned the place down or lit the place on fire. There is a massive shift going on and it's not philosophical. I wish it was philosophical. I wish they all all the way understood freedom. But to to resist or end an empire, all you need is the people saying, we're just fed up with this. We know it's a stupid game. We know it's they're all a bunch of crooks. We're tired of voting between two lunatics. You know, you went from Trump versus Hillary to Trump versus Biden. Like how ridiculous I know it's can the spectacle possibly get. And people are getting to the point where they're just saying, yeah, screw it. And, and we know because we talk to people, we'll, you know, just throw out a line to see what they say about to see what somebody says about it. Most people know it's B.S., they know the fear mongering is BS and they may go along with it to avoid hassles. Mm -hmm. But when you have that many people who can't wait for an opportunity to disobey the ruling class, the ruling class is finished. They can huff and puff and they can make examples and they can go all fascist in little areas when they focus all their resources in one place. But so few, even so few freedom advocates look at it. I refer to it as turning the chessboard around. Look at it if you're in the position of the tyrant and the control freaks in power and you're looking out at 300 plus million people and 100 million of them have guns. Like if you don't have the loyal obedience and worship of most of them, you're freaking doomed. Okay. And you can huff and puff and get violent and make it really ugly on your way out, but you're on your way out. And I'm I'm here to tell you they are on their way out. It's not because everybody's a voluntarist. I wish it was, but it's because the feeling of moral obligation to obey these crooks is gone from the vast majority of Americans. And, and we can take that a step further in that the thing the thing about being observant of reality rather than letting yourself absorb basically mountains of clickbait articles, which by the way, the clickbait articles that talk about the government's got this scary plan to do X are often coming from the same people who fund the articles that are like coming from 
government wants those articles funded because any group of narcissists who are toxic narcissist psychopaths that need people to believe they're all powerful are going to put out their own stuff about how they're all powerful and they will have the more they realize the population's getting more and more against them and more and more angry, the more they got to put out all these elaborate plans or at least just say they're going to do this stuff and declare it to try to sound ominous and threatening because what they're definitely not going to do is go, oh, shit, shit, a bunch of you guys, by the way, are catching on to us and we're starting to realize like too many of you are talking. So could you not talk to each other and figure out our whole game and could you just calm down because we're starting to freak out that our heads are going to get knocked off? No one's going to say that. So the whole the revolution will not be televised is a Thing, but then history can't repeat because history can only repeat as in narcissists can only control oblivious, sincere people who are empathetic in a short term amount of time when they can lie to them and triangulate to divide them. The minute they cannot stop up information flow, as in the minute something called the Internet exists in the timeline, then they can no longer brainwash any group of human beings permanently for forever. And since brainwashing is required to keep a, a subject of people existing at all and, and bowing to authority because we are inherently built for free will, then they don't lo they lose the power to brainwash and they lose all the future generations because the Internet allows for unstoppable information flow. And those of us who actually kind of understand the technology of the Internet and where it came from, how it got started, know that they don't control it, even though there's these rumors that people think that they do. They think that the technology's like got a kill switch and that there's this group of people that could just turn off the Internet. That's not so. That can't happen. It won't happen. And the way technology now works, the average ability of the average man is now massively increased to just create something like an Internet or, or a network that of connection of free-minded people connecting around the globe that these people can't control. So what's really happening is we've got a group of really old boomers who think they should still rule people's <laughs> lives, and they're in office, and they're terrified of technology because it's gotten away from them, and it's allowing freedom, freedom of currency making, freedom of currency exchange, and all that. So they're going to demonize that technology, and then they know that a bunch of people are anarchistic thinkers now, so now they're going to try to make anarchists afraid of the very technology that's going to free us. So they'll demonize crypto when crypto's our savior. They'll call their currency a digital currency and try to sound like they're going to muddy the waters and go, oh, actually, digital currency is scary. Yeah, don't go for that. That's our system. We're trying to force this cashless thing on you. When really what's going to happen is the anarchists are going to go for crypto. Cashlessness may naturally happen way, way, way down the line, but that'll be after government can't have any control anymore because we're all in the crypto space. And that's not the same as their digital currency. They don't have total control. They've Basically, the way they control the dollar right now is the optimum control. They've had all the control they need with our bank accounts right now. Crypto is digital. Yes, it's in the digital world, but it is not digital currency. Our bank accounts are already that. If they have the credit system and they have your bank account, they can garnish your wages. They can do whatever. They have all the power they've been ominously threatening they're going to have. They actually already have, and they've had it, and they're actually losing it. So that's what people need to see is that this is a confusion, muddy the waters thing they're doing to try to make themselves seem powerful. I wonder if they're going to lose it if they go cashless. But I want to a couple point, thank you both for your answers. I want to bring in a couple examples, I would say, of government control on a micro scale that would give me some pretty good, great concern. One of them would be the social credit rating system that they have in China, that they've been able to implement this. And people cannot go certain places based on their social credit score, based on how they're interacting. And it shows the technology going a little crazy. I get concerned about that because I wonder if that's going to come here. I can't see that as not coming here in some capacity. Another thing I get concerned about is that millions of people 
have been convinced that by wearing a flimsy little mask over their face that that is going to prevent them from getting a deadly disease when all of our pyrologists wear these full-fledged suits but for some reason if you wear this mask it's going to protect you a lot of people are convinced by that so i am concerned i don't know if i'm more concerned about the the communness of the government more than the fact that there's so many people that have proven to be so stupid and when I talk to certain people, I think that one out of every eight person, people I talk with is a critical thinker or thinks for themselves. Most people that I talk with, they are basically rehashing, re-saying the same things that the media and the government is telling them. So where I'm going with this is, if what are some of the indications, what do you think about that, of these governments implementing that form to totalitarianism successfully? Could they pull it off here on a mass scale? And could they do what they're trying to do in Australia, which is trying to implement a nationwide mandatory vaccine deployment? Uh, and the second question is, what are two or three indications that you see freedom and a passion and a self-discovery and a renaissance for anarchism finally taking off in this country? Okay, there, there are a number of things like what you just described um, they may be dumb enough to try it, but no, they have no chance of actually making that <laughs> stick and making it happen. They may even like legislate it and try to force it, and the backlash would just immediately squash them. And again, this isn't because I think everybody is voluntarist. A tiny percentage of people are. And the funny thing is, you mentioned you know the little fraction of people who you think are critical thinkers. I agree. And the funny thing is, even that doesn't matter, because a lot of people who aren't even critical thinkers are still managing to see this is totally stupid. Like when it comes to the mask thing, like you go out somewhere and, you know, we go around here, a bunch of people are wearing masks, but some people aren't. And it's, it's different in different stores where and different in different towns. But even among the people wearing masks, it's pretty easy to tell that most of them aren't really scared and they don't really believe in it because the mask is like on their chin or hanging down. Like it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't want the hassle of, of anybody whining at me. So I'm wearing this dumb thing, but I'm not actually scared. And then a bunch of people aren't wearing it at all. And some are actually speaking up. Most people don't have the fortitude to intentionally like openly disobey what everyone else is doing. So it's more about peer pressure and just not wanting the hassle of having some Karen whining at them, yeah. even for the people who aren't critical thinkers. Yeah, including the anarchists. There's perfect. You're you're walking around swimming in people that God knows, like a good percentage of them in any given town in the U.S. now could actually be anarchistic thinking, or at least completely apolitical and have no interest in what's going on. And they are literally wearing a mask in the store and blending with everyone else, but only because they're just like, oh my God, just please don't say anything to me, don't talk to me, don't harass me, don't tell me I'm not, I'm doing something wrong. I'm just putting on your stupid freaking mask so that I'm not bothered and they're not going to bother me not wearing one. And the thing is, is I've been the only person, the only person in a grocery store swimming in people in a big grocery store. <laughs> and I went through the whole thing and I was the only person not wearing a mask, but I was also not even once approached or harassed for it. Yeah. Cause I think a lot it's of the people a, wearing them are like, well, yeah. you know, Good for her for not wearing them. Like, exactly. I don't want the grief, but I, I'm not going to go out of my like, way to whine at somebody else because I know it's stupid, too. I just exactly. want to quietly shop and get out of here and get away and from this. Uh, some of them give you this look like, damn, you're brave because you're, like, walking in there, like, not wearing one. Without a face diaper. Uh, by the way, I haven't found a single 
person who like believes in or actually thinks maybe the thing is real and and that there's like like they basically just don't know how viruses work so they think this is a real thing because they don't understand health or virology um and so they're they're like scared and they think they need to wear a mask and they're freaking out um any of those people that I've gotten that from they aren't the type of people like none of them are the type of people who I'm really worried about like their stupidity is so stupid and the level at which their brain functions. It's like they're the type of person where the way they live their life, they literally aren't the type of person who's a threat to me because they're going to affect exactly zero in the world. They're yeah. sitting on the couch eating bonbons. They're 300 pounds and they aren't doing shit to anyone and they're certainly not going to start a fight with me. They're going to walk away and mumble under their Karen breath and whine and think that their mask is helping them and saving them when it's really their 300 pounds thing that's probably putting them at risk and not me. So Thanks for pointing that out, by the way, because that, that, that is kind of ironic. The people out there saying, you need to wear a mask. It's like, wait, wait a second. You know, you, you're driving around in a cart, for God's sakes. <laughs> you're you're in a car. You're in a car. You've been eating McDonald's up to this point. You've neglected your health for the last decade and a half, but now you care and you're going to pretend you care about your health by putting a mask on. And now you're going to make me the person who actually is responsible for my own health and owns my health. You're going to make me responsible for your bad health choices? Like, mm, yeah, I don't think that's how that works. And the thing is is We've run into that here in Arizona where people see through this and they're like the business owners that were just told by our governor, well, you got to do the mask thing. Well, I went into a place in Glendale, Arizona, one of more than one business where the owners are in there. You walk in, there isn't a mask requirement sign on the door. You walk in, the owner's not wearing a mask. And, you know, I, I walked in the other day into one business and my anarchist girlfriend, Tony's with me and she's like, hey, we forgot our face diapers sorry. And they, and the owner made like this sarcastic comment, like, well, if you don't, if you don't mind that we could clearly be infecting you as well, then we don't care. <laughs> and they're, and the, the owners are standing there and they're all, they all don't have face masks on. And I took his flippancy as a, um, foot in the door. I could already tell him like, this guy's not buying it. This is a foot in the door. So I'm going to push this further and see how this goes. And I said to him, um, so I said to him, I said, no, no, please. I said, I, not only are, am I not worried about you infecting me, I would very much like you to breathe the open air because I need your germs. My immune system literally requires the exposure to your germs to be strong. So please do breathe the air openly. I would like to be exposed to your germs. And he just points to me with his finger like, amen, sister, this gesture. And he goes, awesome. I believe your health is your responsibility. And I said – Thank you, sir. And then we ended up staying there and buying from that business and getting their number and getting their online card. And they said, we're going to stay, stay open and we're here and we're yeah. doing this. And, and keep in mind for so many people, like wearing a dumb little mask isn't like it's like, uh, OK, it's sort of the stupid thing we have to do. But it, to them, it's not the end of the world. And most people don't even think in terms of principles. So it's just like, oh, I'll put this dumb thing on. And they don't even think in terms of why do they have the right to tell me to do that at all? So, but the average people who aren't critical thinkers are just sort of going along with it and they're like, well, it's not that difficult to put on a face diaper and walk through a store. Well, I guess I'll do it. But when you're talking about something that, that is going to cost their livelihood, like you saw a, a backlash to the shutdowns and a bunch of people openly saying, nope, we're going to, we're even in New Jersey of all places saying, nope, we're going to open. There was that gym and they arrested him. And as soon as he got out on bail, he went back to his gym, kicked the boards off of it, opened it up and had it. And they went and arrested him again. But I mean, when you have that and, and the, the beaches in California where the beaches are closed and everyone was like, yeah, no, they're not. 
and they just went there anyway. Or the or the fact that just recently California was like told you're not allowed to do any setting off of fireworks that's completely illegal. And oh, they, they did it anyway. Do an aerial shot of literally like what was it la or it was la yeah it was la the, the, aerial shot. City. the city is just literally the whole thing is exploding with fireworks on the day that they were all told if, no you can't it's illegal it's if, a bit if anybody hasn't seen that look that up because oh, that's oh. a shining example of civil disobedience the whole city just had a massive illegal fireworks show and the, the thing is so the, the thing with masks is a lot of people will just go along with it because, eh, whatever. It's not difficult. It's not expensive. And they don't particularly care about the principle involved. But when you actually try to limit people in a way that you're you're endangering them or making it hard for them to survive. Like vaccines. The disobedience, yeah, and th there would be a massive backlash. But the disobedience is, is immediate and massive. And an example I love to point to, and I, I bring this up about cashless societies and a bunch of different things. If government had a bunch of people in a box under constant surveillance and said, you're not allowed to have cash and you're not allowed to trade and you're not allowed to give anything to anybody, they would still fail. And the reason I know this is because I lived there for a year. It's called federal prison where you're not allowed to have currency and you're not allowed to trade. You're not allowed to have any commerce of any kind. And there is a booming, thriving black market with competing self-regulating currencies, all of them illegal, with people trading, every trade illegal, in a box under constant surveillance by government. If government can't even make a cashless society there in a box. In their federal freaking prisons. <laughs> and it happens in literally every prison, every all federal and state prison across the whole country. It's the same thing everywhere. If they can't do it there, there is exactly zero chance they're ever going to make a cashless society or going to make a society where, well, your credit rating is this or such, so you can't buy this. It might take a little extra effort. It's like, did they make drugs disappear by making them illegal? Um, not exactly. No. <laughs> did they make guns impossible to get where they're illegal? Nope. Also, notice how all empires, all they do is prolong the inevitable. It's like, well, we'll pretend we can prohibit alcohol. Whoops, that backfired. Well, we'll pretend we can prohibit weed. Whoops, that backfired. Now it's the biggest, most booming industry in the freaking country right now, and the stocks are going crazy. Oh, we'll pretend we can stifle this really awesome technology that's actually helpful. Whoops, that backfired. Now that's getting extra funding. So it's one of those things where they're they're just humans, and people – when they get abused and they get traumatized young, which all most Americans have been, it's called the American schooling system, they tend to literally not break out of that programming, including when they break out of the programming of statism, they don't break out of the programming of Stockholm syndrome. They still sort of have this illusion that whatever that authoritarian control structure is, it's just always going to be there. And it's something more than just a bunch of squishy mortals who are mostly psychopaths who don't organize well and who will fall apart quickly when enough people just don't obey them. And are vastly outnumbered by the people they're trying to control. Right. And, the, and then they will just – people will buy into the ominous, scary stuff they put out and they'll buy into – the conspiracy theories they put out about themselves that they want people to believe like they're this, there's this huge evil thing, they master plan they have. And it's like, yeah, of course they would say they do that. And including even the crap they can't and never pulled off. Like they have tons of stuff they've written down that they intended back like a hundred years ago. And they haven't even gotten to like a fraction of the most ominous crap people have found that they wrote. And they've pulled off some things that almost look like a semblance of it. And in the process, they woke up many millions of people to their plans 
because the internet came about. So everybody could talk around the narcissist triangulating, divide and conquer assholes and say, oh, your faction of assholes is trying to pit, you know, us against each other. And my faction of assholes is trying to pit us against each other. Oh, okay. So you mean you guy in Russia don't want to kill me guy in America? No, we're friends. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, you guy in Iraq don't have it out for me over here? No, we're cool. Oh, so it's our governments trying to pit us against each other. Oh, okay. People have been traveling around the world and figuring this out. All the travelers I talk to are almost anarchists naturally because they traveled the globe and went, oh, I know who the liars are. All of the media guys. Well, the media is never going to tell us the empire's falling. The empire could be falling out in the real world right in front of your eyes, and crypto could be taking over half of the platforms that most tech is built on, and there could be a whole blockchain wave coming in to just wipe out a bunch of old government systems, and you're not going to know about it unless you're with those people and you know those things are happening. You're not going to know it's happening because the government narcissists are going to say, nope, we're still in charge. We're all powerful as they're crumbling, as everything's falling. But there are... There are little hints that the the control freaks accidentally let out. And to me, when they get like the censorship that's going on on Facebook and YouTube about I can't believe they're taking any your stuff down. that goes yeah. against the ah, we're all going to die of the stupid thing. Um, <laughs> getting hilarious. It, it got so ridiculous that literally the mainstream is pointing out the, the censorship, like the Washington Post ran a thing and then it got censored on Facebook and then the Post ran an article about, um, really Facebook, you're going to ban our article. (laughs) Like, yeah, literally, literally the, the factions of narcissists are turning on each other because the problem with psychopathy is that, that the, there's this illusion that, um, a bunch of victims of government think that like government's super well organized. The actual fact of the, the matter is that empires always fall because they're horribly organized. See, networks of empathetic people who all have an emotional investment in, in each other, like nonprofit organizations, tend to outlast like everything and last forever because everybody is sincere and means it and is in it for something. And psychopaths don't feel anything and each person is in it for them fucking selves. So at the top of any empire, what happens is everything is a t- ticking time bomb of erosion of when the psychopaths will eventually develop paranoia with each other and in their fear start taking each other out and start going rogue and start causing issues and we are literally seeing the fallout of this like the state is in its death throes which is glad getting that ridiculous because like and death throes can be dragged out don't get me wrong death throes could last (laughs) actually um larkin one of your old shows by the way i've always listened to your old uh, podcast on connect pal i used to listen to them all the time and every time you and amanda do video I, i will listen to it a bunch of times because I think it's very refreshing. It's very good. And I told you before, Larkin, I'll say it again on this particular show, that there are people in freedom movement and alternative media that listen to you, that listen to Amanda, and you pull us out of the K-hole of the state. You pull us out of the propaganda. Even the best of us who go, goes in there and want to fight for freedom. So I thank you for putting that uh, common sense. You snap us out of it. So thank you very much for your awesome contributions. One of the things we've you mentioned in one of your shows is that you said this is going to be an economic disaster. This is going to be an epic disaster by them shutting down the economy. And I fully believe that. And on top of that, I thought that we were going to have an economic collapse years ago just based on what Peter Schiff and what Gerald Salenti were talking about. And they keep on printing all this money. And when I talked to my friend Chris Dwayne, his theory is that once the dollar no longer has any value and we have this cascading collapse, which is unlike anything in the world, he said this will be the greatest event in human history, 
we may have a chance. There may be so many pissed off people around the world that we may have a chance, I guess, of fully pushing towards freedom. I'm yep. curious what your perspective is on that. Do you think that the elites will push people in a state of fear and shock towards a um, tyrannical digital-based currency? Or is that the breaking point? Is this the one thing that we've been waiting for? I think the chance that this will, I mean, not immediately, but that this will end the empire is close to 100%. Okay. Because when they make a crash of this size, the when suddenly tens of millions of people's lives depend upon them ignoring the ruling class, then people will ignore the ruling class. And if they, you know, if they try to interfere and like, no, you have to, you don't have the right credit rating to buy food, normal people are going to go talk to the normal people who are also farmers and say, can we just buy food from you and never mind all the regulators and taxes? And you will, they will force the black market to take over the entire market, kind of like what happened in Soviet Union when the black market was the market and there was kind of nothing else left because then there's just this government stupidity happening in a corner that isn't producing anything. And it's, again, it's not even going to, it doesn't rely on people understanding freedom or self-ownership or any of that. I wish they would, but it doesn't rely on that because it's forcing people into a position where their lives depend upon them disobeying authority. And if you're in a position of authority and you're trying to rule other people, the dumbest thing you can possibly do is exactly what they are doing right now, <laughs> which is forcing people to learn how to disobey. Because and that's what they're doing. Because as soon as somebody gets into the mindset of screw them, who do I have to trade with to take care of my family? <laughs> As soon as they try that out, as soon as they have a taste of freedom, then they go, why weren't we doing this the whole time? And then it catches on and it becomes a, a social, like social psychological thing that when everybody around you is like, yeah, screw the ruling class, we, we just trade and do and like we may do things the proper legal way when there's a cop standing right in front of us. But the moment he walks away. Heck with him, we're going to do things illegally, quote unquote, because that's what we have to do to survive. They are literally – this is why I've said – and I said this from the beginning of this ridiculous fear-mongering. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen <laughs> any ruling class do ever in history. It's just astonishingly stupid. It doesn't mean it isn't destructive because it's going to hurt a lot of decent people. Yep. But it is already backfiring on them. And when their, yep. when their censorship is this transparent that tons, tons of people are saying, look at all these like – world-renowned experts saying, wait a minute, you're getting this totally wrong, and they're trying to silence them enough that even the mainstream is going, wait, what? Uh, we're just going to dismiss anybody who, like, the, the Congress doesn't like their opinion or something? And when the, the fascism, they're jumping to it that fast, like, oh, we might have to force everybody to get vaccinated. They, shocked, it, uh, yeah. it, it's the, it's the, the, the frog in boiling water. It's like, uh-oh, the frog looks a little bit restless. I know, crank up the heat. It's the dumbest thing they could possibly do, and it's exactly what they're doing. And the funny thing is, before this happened, I've described over and over again, this is how empires always, 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 always fall, <laughs> is because they get to a point where they start losing control, and instead of backing off and re-gripping, 
they try to jump for totalitarian power and the they, whole they, thing falls they apart. They go, oh, oh no, oh no, our sheep are getting away. And they go, oh, power grab. And again, they did this when they tried, when so psychopaths tried other versions of rule, like overt, nasty feudalism. They were like, oh, that doesn't work. The people revolt and it gets real nasty because they come between, well, I either literally have shit for floors and my loved ones are dying day in and day out. Or I kill the nobles. And so people, they were like, okay, we can't do overt control. We have to like psychologically try to control them through the school system. We'll do gentle control so they think they owe us their allegiance. And we'll try it that way. And that was the American experiment, of course, which was can we just nicely brainwash the cattle? And then hopefully none of them will notice like what we're doing. And the internet spawns and it's like, well, now we can all talk to each other and figure out your psychological game. So then they go, oh, well, crap. Now people are talking and they're figuring us out. So they do the narcissist, toxic, psychopathic thing of panic and go oops we need more control not less and they go to grab control well humans are built with innate free will and even the most brainwashed human being will have a threshold at which they go oh crap it's now become disobey government or die so i guess i'm gonna disobey the government <laughs> and even even a bunch <laughs> of their enforcers were like uh we're not allowed to do this are we we're not gonna yeah, do this this is not, wrong but so yeah. are some of them yeah, are doing. I, I do wonder when the spark's yep. going to come back. I do wonder, but the sparks you, you mentioned before, like okay, uh, well, you know, in Texas, people may have gotten really scared, but I've yet to see anyone flat out go after a public official. And I wonder if that if that happens, that if that's just going to encourage people to cheer on for more authoritarianism. So I wonder if that will cause something, if that will cause a shift, and that will will have the state will become even more emboldened. And it's tyranny, and then it'll pass away. People, I'm surprised that the governor of Michigan is walking around still smiling. I'm surprised at other governors, like in New York, the governor of New York killed six thousand old people. Just, yeah. Put, I mean, I, how are these people still walking around and writing books? And yeah. Making, well, see, see, here's the the way that the way their botch up usually manifests is they think, look what we got away with yesterday. We'll do a little bit more. Look what we got away with today. And they don't – the tyrants don't seem to pay attention to the fact that the way these things usually go is that the, the human livestock put up with way more than they should ever put up with. Mm -hmm. But when it breaks, it breaks and backlashes so hard <laughs> and so fast. Yeah. And, you know, like if the, you know, as much as they tried to hijack and spin stuff that happened in, in Minneapolis and in other places – you have a bunch of normal people in, you know, in between the instigators and the propagandists and all that saying we're tired of getting treated like this. And they have a riot and they burn the police station. Again, they do dumb stuff, too, and they break private property. And, they're, you know, there's nothing like a consistent philosophy in their heads. But when you get that many people to the point of, you know, this is it, we've had enough. The backlash can be so fast and so nasty. You know, French Revolution, it's like, oh, we're the royalty and we're fine and dandy. And whoops, now tens of thousands of us just got our heads whacked off. <laughs> and it's not even about whether it's whether it's justified or coherent or organized or anything like that. It's about the fact it's just a statement of human nature that when you treat people like cattle for that long, they will put up with it for a long time. But when they finally snap, the snap is really nasty. Yeah, and that's the USSR. And by the way, that's Berlin. Like, no, I'm I'm not even remotely surprised that there's like eight million people on the streets of Berlin to the fact to the point that from a drone view you can't see a spot of street that isn't covered by people. And that's because 
I was still alive and I'm only 33 when the Berlin Wall just came down. These guys didn't forget because that happened within my lifetime. They know this Nazi crap when they see it. So the mask reaction in Berlin was immediately like, whoa. And then, of course, because of the Internet, all the rest of the so-called people they view on as cattle on Earth that are just cattle to them are all looking at the other cattle in Berlin going, yeah, that actually seems like a more reasonable response to this. How come we're not doing that? And so people, it, you know, the way information travels now, you could be in a one little pocket at your place on, you know, USA fascist neighborhood, you know, central in wherever you are on the continent, but the world is massive. So maybe your little neighborhood has been just watching Fox News for the last decade. So you feel surrounded by idiots when really what's going on way over here and way over here and way over here is a whole bunch of uprising or people just saying stuff and disobeying and if you basically they play this game where they want everybody who's awake to feel like they're alone except we have all the data in front of us the data is the internet social media tells me by the actual data of the pages i admin that there are literally hundreds of thousands of followers of the social media pages that are purely anti-government purely um purely anarchistic, purely survival-based. And you talked about three, you talked about data points that give us the uh, actual thumb on the pulse of freedom uprising in this country. And I'm all about data because you can't argue with math. So I look for numbers and the numbers just do not lie. So one of the things is that exponential math or exponential growth is a thing. And exponential math is, you know, if X number of voluntarists that are in the thousands exist in this year, like 2014, and each one of those voluntarists who's only going in one direction, which is more freedom, goes and converts two more voluntarists, and you do the exponential math on that, how long does it take before the whole globe communicating using the internet is basically anarchistic? If you do the math on where the liberty community was on the internet in 2014, and you do the math on how big it would probably look globally now already, we're not just, we're not little, we're huge. But what they now know how to do is regulate the internet that we use in such a way that they can try to basically isolate each of us in these pockets algorithmically. So we feel like, and we, we don't see the numbers the way they are, but those of us who travel and go to conferences and we talk to those people and we know those people starting meetups and we know those people having intentional communities. And we know these people over here in this city and we go, wait a minute, if you do the math, our numbers are massive. They're just trying to make us alone. And then the other thing I want to point out numbers wise is that a bunch of us are connected to them as in all the anarchists I know, almost all of them, were military, had friends still in the military, had came out of the military or, or law enforcement. I have family in the military still. My parents, my dad was in the military, and I had a sister in the Air Force. All of them can tell you from the inside what the mindset is, and a bunch of the insides waking up. So when their own enforcers are like, we want out of the military, and I hear from the inside that, oh, there's a mass exodus happening in the Air Force, and military's not meeting its recruitment anymore, I know that that information's traveling fast, and I know that minds are being freed. So it's happening. It's just a matter of time. And I've, I've, I've never seen average people more open to the ideas of self-ownership than right now. True. Amanda and Larkin Rose, thank you. Your voices have been heard. We need more voices like yours. I want to point out that you can learn more about Amanda and Larkin by going to therosechannel.com. There is a great course called Candles in the Dark, and I have taken it. I want to bring out from personal experience that I've applied a lot of the principles in Candles in the Dark, and it's actually been wonderful and peaceful for relationships that I've had with family members who I used to argue with. Because when you 
utilize the process and utilize a lot of the lessons in there. You don't win. You don't walk away. Try to win the battle up front. You, the, the person thinks, and it's wonderful. The website is called therosechannel.com. Amanda Larkin, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing your time and your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our terrific guests, Larkin and Amanda Rose. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Stellis, and Miss Lisa McGarity, as well as our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>